Well, good morning to you. It is hump day, Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023. March 22nd, 2023. Slava Ukraine, Heroium Slava. How are you enjoying your spring? I hope it's all going well. Uh, PVTV, Political Views TV podcast. That's what you Google to find me. I tell your friends to Google those four words, Political Views TV podcast, and I'll show up right at the top of the search. Man, do I appreciate you so much. Thank you very much for coming every day. It's nice of you. Uh, I, I I don't know if I would do this without you. Uh, if you can, please bring someone with you today or tomorrow. That would be awesome. And tweet to me questions, insights, or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S on the Twitter. And I appreciate contact every now and then. Uh, so let's start with uh, Russian-Ukraine uh, news, as usual. And today, you know... Not a huge report today. I might be able to do it in less than 30 minutes. Maybe 25. Let, let's try. Let's, let's go for 26. Let's go for 26. <clears throat> uh, Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida continued his surprise visit by going to Poland. He said the Polish-Japanese friendship is, a vital to, is vital to counteract Russia as he met Poland's uh, PM Matusz Morawiecki. Uh, the prime minister there, Kishida said, yesterday I visited Kiev where I announced that Japan and the G7 will continue to support Ukraine. Of course, Japan is part of the G7. Russia is no longer part of what used to be the G8. Uh, Japan, as this, this year's chairman of the G7, will continue to cooperate with Poland and use its leadership to support Ukraine. Uh, the Polish president also said, a new geopolitical order is being born before our eyes. Countries that think alike about peace, stability, and unity must cooperate closely, just like Poland and Japan. It is important that Poland and Japan cooperate closely in overcoming signs of, uh, of aggressive policy, adding that the China-Russia axis is dangerous. And I'm sure I'm sure China will have something to say about those words today. Uh, Slovakian Defense Minister Jaroslav Nad has said that the U.S. has offered to sell Slovakia 12 new Bell AH-1Z Viper helicopters at two-thirds discount after uh, uh, Bratislava sent its retired MiG-29 fighter jets to Ukraine. Nad said his government still had to approve the deal under which it would pay $340 million over three to four years for a package worth more than a billion dollars. So, what a deal. I mean, this is, this is like almost $4 billion worth of helicopters for just over a billion dollars. Uh, very nice. And, and a statement on Telegram of... Uh, Vyacheslav Volodin, uh, uh, the head of the Russian state Duma, which is like our Congress, our, our uh, House, uh, said on UK's decision yesterday to provide Ukraine with armor-piercing rounds with depleted uranium, said, this decision leads to a tragedy on a global scale, which will primarily affect the European states. He added that this decision could later lead to the use of a dirty bomb by Ukraine, or even the use of tactical nuclear weapons. If this happens, there will be no going back. I, okay. 
hyperbole at its greatest. That's what that is. I He went on. Washington and its satellites, London, Brussels, Warsaw, etc., are doing everything to make war to last, uh, make war to last uh, Ukrainian become war to the last, war to the last Ukrainian become war to the last European. Uh, Britain, uh, uh, Britain's Foreign Secretary, James Cleverly, said, there is no nuclear escalation. The only country in the world that is telling uh, that is talking about nuclear issues is Russia. There is no threat to Russia. This is purely about helping Ukraine defend itself. Uh, and as, as usual, I want to clarify that he didn't cleverly say anything. His last name is Cleverly, as I always do. And by the way, don't forget, yesterday, he's right about this. He's right about this. Uh, so I will say he did, James Cleverly did cleverly say this because the only person uh, screaming about nuclear is Russia. You heard what Medvedev said yesterday. Medvedev said that he was going to, um, or day before yesterday, that uh, he was going to send a uh, nuclear cruise missile to The Hague. That's insane. On Twitter, Zelensky said, Zaporizhia, right now, uh, residential areas where, where ordinary people and children live are being fired at. This must not become just another day in or anywhere else in the world. The world needs greater unity and determination to defeat Russian terror faster and protect lives. Uh, according to Ukrainian officials, at least four people were killed and seven injured earlier today in an overnight Russian drone strike near Kyiv. The Kyiv Regional Military Administration reported on its Telegram channel that a civilian object had been damaged and that rescuers were still working at the scene. The state emergency services said that two dormitories and an educational facility in Reischief, 40 miles uh, south uh, of the capital had been partially destroyed in an overnight attack. Uh, that's like like 65 kilometers, something like that. Our regional police chief, Andriy Neb, uh, Nebitov, uh, said 20 people had been taken to the hospital and several were still missing following a series of explosions after 3 a.m., uh, Nebitov said, we see that the enemy has once again attacked civilian infrastructure and innocent people have died, adding that one of the victims was an ambulance driver who had arrived to help. The Ukrainian military said it had shot down 16 out of 21 Iranian-made Shahid drones launched at Ukraine overnight by Russia. Uh, Mikhail Razvozayev uh, uh, the Kremlin-backed governor of Sevastopol uh, in Moscow annexed uh, Crimea, uh, said that the uh, Russian Navy has repelled a drone attack on the port of Sevastopol. He said in total three objects have been destroyed. Uh, Sevastopol is that airport. It used to be just an airport. Now it's a military airport uh, on the, I guess that would be the southwest edge of uh, Crimea on the Black Sea. Now that I have your attention, let's move on and try to fix the world. Wow, only seven minutes for Russian news. I think that's a record. I haven't done that in like a month. 
at least. Uh, Moving on to that noose tightening around that bright orange neck, a circuit court of appeals in D.C. set Trump's lawyers at a midnight deadline last night to provide information and arguments related to the case, with the Department of Justice also giving a 6 a.m. Wednesday deadline, a particularly rapid turnaround request for legal filings. This in the Mar-a-Lago document case. Uh, The move came after a a judge ruled that one of Trump's lawyers, Evan Corcoran, could be forced, and we talked about this last week, didn't we, right? Could be forced to testify in the classified documents investigation by voiding the usually absolute attorney-client privilege over claims the former president used his services to commit a crime. And we said exactly this. Was it last week or the week before that, that we said this was going to happen? Remember, Um, uh, uh, attorney-client privilege goes out the window when there's a crime committed. In In fact, attorneys are required by law to tell, uh, uh, authorities about crimes committed if they've been told. If you get, hire an attorney and you tell him you committed a crime legally, he's supposed to tell, uh, that the crime was committed. Uh, the midnight deadline was set after prosecutor, uh, prosecutors at special counsel's uh, uh, Jack Smith's office presented evidence that Trump knowingly and deliberately misled Corcoran about his retention of sensitive materials at his Mar-a-Lago resort. Reportedly, D.C. District Judge Beryl Howell said in a sealed filing that the uh, in sealed filings that the evidence suggested the former president had committed criminal violations. And so his lawyer can be forced to testify as attorney-client privilege could be voided in this case. This is way worse than the New York case, by the way. Uh, Howell is reported to have ordered Corcoran to hand over a number of documents, including handwritten notes and transcriptions of personal audio recordings, which are linked to what the judge described as Trump's alleged criminal scheme. The idea that lawyers are being told to act with urgency is an indication that national security is coming into question about these documents. A lot of the story came from ABC News, and Trump was quick to attack ABC, uh, uh, ABC, which, which, by the way, is a right-of-center network, in my opinion, uh, in a statement. Trump's team attacked ABC News for reporting on what they called illegally leaked false allegations against the former president and his legal team. Uh, The statement said these leaks are happening because there is no factual or legal basis or substance to any case against President Trump. The deranged Democrats and their comrades in the mainstream media are corrupting the legal process and weaponizing the justice system in order to manipulate public opinion because they are clearly losing the political battle. Okay, let me just touch on this real quick before I continue. Um, The deranged Democrats and their comrades in the mainstream media... ABC News is in no way a comrade to the Democrats. Let me just say that. (laughs) I mean, if you compare them to Fox News, yeah, they're progressive. But Genghis Khan is progressive compared to Fox News. Uh, The real... He continued. The real story here... 
that fake news ABC should be reporting on is that prosecutors only attack lawyers when they have no case whatsoever. I, you know what? If they didn't have a case whatsoever, they wouldn't be able to claim that attorney-client privilege law doesn't apply. President Trump is the only leader... He continued, President Trump, or they continued, President Trump is the only leader fighting for the Constitution in order to protect the American people from being abused by a crooked system. Have you noticed how much Trump's people, how loud Trump's people get when they're caught in a lie? Thou doth protest too much, methinks. Moving on. What will Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve do today? We shall find out. Uh, this bank failure issue, though quite minor when compared to the 2008 crisis, is still the elephant in the room because it can continue to happen with more banks. As I explained right after this SVB uh, failed, as I explained, the bank had investments. I mean, I think I, I did this story. Was it Monday or Tuesday? after the bank failure that I did this story. Um, the bank had investments in treasuries for long term. When new treasuries came out with higher yields and in shorter terms, the original investments that were made were worthless compared to what was out there. And they could not get their cost that they paid to make the bank solvent to cover withdrawals from the bank. Okay. Uh, let me try and explain this one more time in case you missed it last mon Monday or the, whenever that was. Let's say you have $100 invested for 10 years and you get $5 a year. Then suddenly someone can invest that same $100, someone else can invest another $100 and make $10 a year for five years. That's... Uh, let me, uh, 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 that's, that's double the money because it's half the time, which makes your investment worth about half. Suddenly you have to pay a bill that you owe of a hundred dollars and you can either sell or borrow on your investment, but now you can only get half the value. That's a hundred dollars now worth $50. I realize that is a simple explanation. And actually, it's worth less than 50 because you're getting the investment back in, in less than half the time. In, in half the time. And now, I realize that it's a simple explanation for a complex issue. But if you think SVB is the only bank that did this, you may be wrong. SVB was not required to hedge their bets as larger banks are, but larger banks could be in the same position on a smaller scale. The point is, if the Fed raises the rate yet again, it could cause more similar problems in big and small banks. On the other side, it's the economy, stupid. Inflation is high and unemployment is low. I think failing banks would help a corporatist like Powell with what he wanted all along. Lower the unemployment rate so the value of U.S. workers go down and corporations can pay less for wages. But politically, a 50 basis 
point rise is unpalatable. 50 basis points is a half a percentage. People are expecting a 25 point rise, a quarter point, uh, a quarter percent, which would not be enough to hurt the worker as much as he wants because he hates labor. Make no mistake. Jerome Powell hates labor. He loves corporations. He only cares about greedy corporate wealth. Corporations can't profit if labor dictates dictates pay. The Fed's own projections indicate that millions of additional U.S. workers could face unemployment by the end of the year as the central bank continues to raise borrowing costs and tamp down on economic demand. Personally, I think Powell should not raise the rate, but if he doesn't, inflation will stick around a little longer, though prices are slowly easing. If Powell does nothing, that will be seen as him saying banks are too fragile, which would cause concern. If he does something, that will cause fragility in the banking sector. One thing I believe is... A little inflation is a good thing because it means workers are being paid better. But any inflation is caused by paying investors too much money. This is a simple rule that I believe. This is a very simple rule. Making money on money makes money less valuable because nothing is created to add value to the economy. If I, if, I, if, if I give you 10 bucks and say, pay me back 11, I've added a dollar, but I haven't, ad- I haven't created anything that made uh, added value to the economy. I've just made money on it, which is a drag on the economy. When workers make money, they have created goods and services that add value. Making money from money is is a complete drag on society and should be taxed at a higher rate because that is what causes inflation. Not adding value to money causes inflation. It's pretty simple. You have to create something to add value. But that's a separate issue and a separate argument from what's going on now, though it would fix a lot of the problems that we're having. Anyway, we shall see today what the Fed will do. Uh, So imagine you're working for a corporation and they say, for you to get paid, you have to stay here for three years. Advanced care staffing, ACS contractors, contracts warn employees that if they leave ACS's employ before three years time, they will face ACS and its lawyers in an arbitration behind closed doors where ACS will demand that employees kick back much of their hard-earned wages, including wages to which they are entitled under federal law. And they would have to pay for the arbitration, by the way. Under this scheme, The pay that ACS promises its employees may be converted into nothing more than a loan that employees must repay with interest and fees, leaving some employees with no compensation at all, much less the wages required by the FLSA. The uh, uh, FLS, 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 uh, what does that stand for? I forget. Uh, Anyway, I, I just said whatever it was. 
Uh, the F- FLSA uh, prohibits an employer from holding employee wages hostages, allowing employees to keep their wages free and clear only if employees remain in the service of their employer. Biden's Department of Labor says uh, in a complaint filed against uh, Advanced Care Staffing, ACS, and CEO Sam Klein in the U.S. District uh, Court for the Eastern District of New York that in flagrant disregard of the Fair Labor, oh, that's it, FLSA, Fair Labor Standards Act, the company has entered into contracts purporting to require employees to complete at least three years of full-time work for ACS in order to retain their wages. The Department of Labor, led by Acting Secretary Julie Su, aims not only to end this unlawful conduct, but also to recover unpaid wages and liquidated damages due to the former employees from whom ACS has already initiated arbitrations and to restrain defendants from withholding unpaid wages from their former employees. Solicitor of Labor Seema Nanda said, federal law forbids employers from clawing back wages earned by employees for employers' own benefit. Employers cannot use workers as insurance policies to unconditionally guarantee future profit streams, nor can employers use arbitration agreements to shield unlawful practices. The Department of Labor will do everything in its power to make sure employees are being paid uh, are, are being paid their hard-earned wages and to safeguard them from these types of exploitative practices. As Bloomberg News detailed last September regarding a lawsuit, uh, a, a lawsuit by a worker, uh, uh, Benzor Shem Vidal, that's his name, advanced care staffing could sue him in arbitration for damages if he quit within three years of starting work and make him pay the legal costs, according to the complaint uh, of in federal filed in the federal court in Brooklyn. The conditions were so onerous that the uh, they violate human trafficking laws meant to protect people from being exploited for labor. The Department of Labor lawsuit will stop corporations from taking advantage of and stealing wages from those in labor. Uh, and we will see what will happen. I, 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 I have a feeling this company is going to pay some serious fines. Uh, wasn't it just the other day, wasn't it just the other day we were talking about this, that big oil execs should be hung for their crimes, hung by the neck for their crimes? I suppose those would be crimes against humanity. But what about murder? How many people have died in climate disasters because of global warming? In a new paper titled Climate Homicide, Prosecuting Big Oil for Climate Deaths, Public citizens David Arkush and George Washington University law professor Donald uh, Bram, Brahman contend that if our criminal legal system cannot focus more intently on climate crimes and soon we may leave future generations with significantly less for the law to protect. The paper says no prosecutor in any jurisdiction has brought homicide charges of any kind against fossil fuel companies. Uh, FFCs, fossil fuel companies, for even a single death related to climate change. They should, according to the writers, uh, they should, and that's according to the writers. Uh, The case for homicide prosecutions 
is increasingly compelling. A steady growth in the information about uh, fossil fuel uh, companies, new and what they did with that knowledge is revealing a story of antisocial conduct generating lethal harm so extensive it may soon become unparalleled in human history. Fossil fuel companies have long understood the globally catastrophic risks that the production, marketing, and sale of their product generates. But when confronted with extensive internal and external research about the grave dangers posed by their business model, they did not notify the public, regulators, or legislators, much less work to find solutions or change their business model. Instead, they developed extensive disinformation and political influence campaigns to obscure the risks confuse others, and block legal or regulatory restriction of their increasingly lethal conduct. Moreover, while they put their wealth to work reducing regulatory and legal risks to their profit margins, they privately used the data they disputed and obscured to reduce their own exposure to climate change-related industrial risks to further maximize their future profits. Fossil fuel companies were technically sophisticated enough to know that they could hide the harms they were generating from lay observers for decades, allowing them to earn trillions of dollars while researchers, activists, and regulators struggled to overcome the sophisticated disinformation and political influence campaigns these profits supported. So, in recent years, the harms have become increasingly lethal and will likely continue to worsen for decades to come. These harms, while global, already include thousands of readily foreseeable deaths of residents of the United States, a toll that may escalate into the hundreds of thousands and over time potentially millions. The authors say, regardless of what, of whether uh, fossil fuel companies knew their conduct would contribute to these lethal risks, were aware of the substantial and unjustifiable risks they were running, or merely should have known and should have investigated further. That is, whether they had knowingly uh, had a knowing, reckless, or negligent attitude toward these risks. They satisfy at least one of the culpable uh, mental states required for some gradation of homicide. They are murderers because they knew what they were doing. Interesting, right? Further, under misdemeanor manslaughter or felony murder laws, if prosecutors can prove that fossil fuel companies engaged in any related criminal conduct involving fraud racketeering, anti-competitive practices, or safety violations, homicide liability could obtain independent of any mental state regarding the risk of death. In other words, proving any of that. And we don't even need their mental status. They still did it. The authors note that there are many ways to sue the companies, but the lethality of uh, fossil fuel companies' conduct their awareness of the risk uh, they are generating and their efforts to obscure those risks make criminal prosecution for homicide particularly appropriate. Perhaps most importantly, 
if fossil fuel companies continue to fight speedy reductions in the harms they are generating, and if they continue to obstruct or delay state and federal recommend, uh, regulation and civil suits designed to reduce the lethal impact of their conduct, then homicide prosecutions may prove necessary. And it would go on to prove that they are homicides because they continue to do it even after knowing that this is possible. You can't put corporations behind bars. I've always said that there should be a death penalty for corporations. Arkush and Brahman say companies that are convicted of criminal charges could instead face restructuring into a public benefit corporation, a designation that gives a company latitude to focus on priorities other than simply maximizing shareholder value. And as we have said numerous times here, the case of Dodge v. Ford tells corporations they are currently required to cater to their shareholders and not the greater good. That has to change, and it has to especially change with oil corporations. And I went over 20, 26 minutes, 30 minutes. Not so bad. That's it. Thanks for listening. Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023. Man, do I appreciate you so much. Bring someone with you today or tomorrow. That would be awesome. PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. I'll show up right at the top of the search. Tweet to me your questions, insights, or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S. Send me a story, say hi, whatever. It's all good. And remember, always remember, government profit is measured by the betterment of the people. Don't you ever forget that. I'm Peter Lawrence, reporting from Los Angeles.